Chapter Thirty Three of Vanished Arizona. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sunny. Vanished Arizona. Recollections of the Army Life of a New England Woman by Martha Summerhays. Thirty-three. At David's Island, the four happiest years of my Army life glided swiftly away. There was a small steam tug which made regular and frequent trips over to New Rochelle, and we enjoyed our intercourses with the artists and the players who lived there. Zogbaum, whose well-known pictures of sailors and warships and soldiers had reached us even in the far west, and whose charming family added so much to our pleasure. Julian Hawthorne, with his daughter Hildegard, now so well known as a literary critic. Henry Loomis Nelson, whose fair daughter Margaret came to our little dances, and promptly fell in love with a young, slim, straight artillery officer. A case of love at first sight, followed by a short courtship and a beautiful little country wedding at Miss Nelson's home on the old Pelham Road, where Hildegard Hawthorne was bridesmaid in a white dress and scarlet flowers, the artillery colors, and many famous literary people from everywhere were present. Augustus Thomas, the brilliant playwright whose home was near the Remingtons on Lathers Hill, and whose wife, so young, so beautiful, and so accomplished, made that home attractive and charming. Francis Wilson, known to the world at large, first as a singer in comic opera, and now as an actor and author, also lived in New Rochelle, and we came to have the honor of being numbered amongst his friends. A devoted husband and kind father, a man of letters, and a book-lover, such as the man as we knew him, in his home and with his family. And now came the delicious warm summer days. We persuaded the quartermaster to prop up the little row of bathing-houses which had toppled over with the heavy winter gales. There were several bathing enthusiasts among us. We had a pretty fair little stretch of beach, which was set apart for the officers' families. And now what bathing-parties we had! Kimball, the illustrator, joined our ranks, and on a warm summer morning the little old Tug Hamilton was gay with the artists and their families, the players and writers of plays, and soon you could see the little garrison hastening to the beach, and the swimmers running down the long pier, down the runway, and off head first into the clear waters of the sound. What a company that was! The younger and the older ones all together children and their fathers and mothers, all happy, all well, all so gay, and we of the frontier, so enamored of civilization and what it brought us. There were no intruders, and oh, those were happy days. Uncle Sam seemed to be making up to us for what we had lost during those long years in the wild places. Then Augustus Thomas wrote the play of Arizona, and we went to New York to see it put on, we sat in Mr. Thomas's box and saw our frontier life brought before us with startling reality. And so one season followed another, each bringing its pleasures, and then came another lovely wedding, for my brother Harry gave up his bachelor estate and married one of the nicest and handsomest girls in the Westchester County. Their home in New Rochelle was most attractive. 
My son was at the Stevens Institute, and both he and Catherine were able to spend their vacation at David's Island, and altogether our life was near to perfection. We were doomed to have one more tour in the West, however, this time it was the Middle West. For in the autumn of ninety-six, Jack was ordered to Jefferson's Barracks, Missouri, on construction work. Jefferson's Barracks is an old historic post in the Mississippi River, some ten miles south of St. Louis. I could not seem to take any interest in the post or in the life there. I could not form new ties so quickly after our life on the coast, and I did not like the Mississippi Valley. St. Louis was too far from the post, and the trolley ride over there was too disagreeable for words. After seven months of just existing, on my part, at Jefferson Barracks, Jack received an order for Fort Myer, the end, the aim, the dream of all Army people. Fort Myer is about three miles from Washington, D.C. We lost no time in getting there, and were soon settled in our pleasant quarters. There was some building to be done, but the duty was comparatively light, and we entered with considerable zest into the social life of the capital. We expected to remain there for two years, at the end of which time Captain Summerhays would be retired and Washington would be our permanent home. But, alas, our anticipation was never to be realized, for, as we all know, in May of 1898, the Spanish War broke out, and my husband was ordered to New York City to take charge of the Army Transport Service under Colonel Kimball. No delay was permitted to him, so I was left behind to pack up the household goods and to dispose of our horses and carriages as best I could. The Battle of Manila Bay had changed the current of our lives, and we were once more adrift. The young cavalry officers came to say good-bye to Captain Jack. Everyone was busy packing up his belongings for an indefinite period and preparing for the field. We all felt the undercurrent of sadness and uncertainty, but a good health and a happy return was drunk all around, and Jack departed at midnight for his new station and new duties. The next morning at daybreak we were awakened by the tramp-tramp of the cavalry marching out of the post en route for Cuba. We peered out of the windows and watched the troops we loved so well, until every man and horse had vanished from our sight. Fort Myer was deserted and our hearts were sad. My sister Harriet, who was visiting us at the time, returned from her morning walk, and as she stepped onto the porch she said, "Well." Of all lonesome places I ever saw, this is the worst yet. I'm going to pack my trunk and leave. I came to visit an army post, but not an old woman's home or an orphan asylum. And that is about all this place is now. I simply cannot stay. Whereupon she proceeded immediately to carry out her resolution, and I was left behind with my young daughter to finish and close up our life at Fort Myer. To describe the year which followed, that strenuous year in New York, is beyond my power. That summer gave Jack his promotion to a major, but the anxiety and the terrible strain of the official work broke down his health entirely, and in the following winter the doctor sent him to Florida to recuperate. After six weeks in St. Augustine, we returned to New York. The stress of the war was over. 
the major was ordered to governor's island as chief quartermaster department of the east and in the following year he was retired by operation of the law at the age limit i was glad to rest from the incessant changing of stations the life had become irksome to me and its perpetual unrest i was glad to find a place to lay my head and to feel that we were not under orders to find and to keep a roof tree under which we could abide forever in nineteen o three by an act of congress the veterans of the civil war who had served continuously for thirty years or more were given an extra grade so now my hero wears with complacency the silver leaf of the lieutenant colonel and is enjoying the quiet life of a civilian but that fatal spirit of unrest from which i thought to escape and which ruled my life for so many years sometimes asserts its power and at those times my thoughts turn back to the days when we were all lieutenants together marching across the deserts and the mountains of arizona back to my friends of the eighth infantry that historic regiment whose officers and men fought before the walls of the chapultepec and mexico back to my friends of the sixth cavalry to the days at camp mcdowell where we slept under the stars and watched the sun rise from behind the four peaks of the mcdowell mountains where we rode the big cavalry horses over the sands of the maricopa desert swung in our hammocks under the ramadas swam in the red waters of the verde river ate canned peaches pink butter and commissary hams listened for the scratching of the centipedes as they scampered around on the edges of our canvas-covered floors found scorpions in our slippers and rattlesnakes under our beds the old post is long since abandoned but the four peaks still stand wrapped in their black shadows by night and their purple colors by day awaiting for the passing of the apache and of the coming of the white man who shall dig his canal in those arid plains and build his cities upon the ruins of the ancient aztec dwellings the sixth cavalry as well as the eighth infantry has seen many vicissitudes since those days some of our gallant captains and lieutenants have won their stars, others have been slain in battle. Dear gentle Major Worth received wounds in the Cuban campaign which caused his death, but he wore his stars before he obeyed the last call. The gay young officers of Angel Island days hold dignified commands in the Philippines, Cuba, and Alaska. My early experiences were usually rough, none of us seek such experiences but possibly they bring with them a sort of recompense in that simple comforts afterwards seem by contrast to be the greatest luxuries i'm glad to have known the army the soldiers the line and the staff it's good to think of honor and chivalry obedience to duty and the pride of arms to have lived amongst men whose motives were unselfish and whose aims were high amongst men who served an ideal who stood ready at the call of their country to give their lives for a government which is to them the best in the world sometimes i hear the still voices of the desert they seem to be calling me through the echoes of the past i hear in fancy the wheels of the ambulance crunching the small broken stones of the malapais or grating swiftly over the gravel of the smooth white roads of the river bottoms I hear the rattle of the ivory rings on the harness of the six-mule team 
I see the soldiers marching on ahead. I see my white tent so inviting after a long day's journey. But how vain these fancies! Railroad and automobiles have annihilated distance. The army life of those years is past and gone, and Arizona, as we knew it, has vanished from the face of the earth. The End End of Chapter 33 End of Vanished Arizona Recollections of the Army Life of a New England Woman by Martha Summerhays